Have you ever wondered how companies try to make digital transformation and get closer to the customer? Well, in today's episode of The Growth Equation, we're super excited to bring on Pansy Lee, who's leading the digital labs initiatives at MLSE, Maple Leaf Support and Entertainment. She has an amazing experience about trying to think more customer-centric and solve really big problems for users and customers. And she's really leading the initiative right now that is helping digitize the sport and entertainment industry and MLSC is really at the forefront of that and in today's episode we really get to hear all of the amazing things that she's trying to solve and her and her team and on top of that thinking about like how you get closer to the customer how do you think about being customer focused you know it's easy to hear how to be customer focused but she really gets the heart of it of like how you actually execute and create a culture around that So super excited to bring her on. She brings a really awesome perspective and really, really excited for everyone to have a listen. So let's get started. Hey, Pansy, welcome to the Growth Equation podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here to chat about what we're doing at MLSE. Yeah, super exciting. I I think just to help with our listeners that are listening to this episode, would love with just like kind of kicking off with like just Tell us a little bit about yourself, like some intro. I think you have some really interesting experiences that could be great to talk about. Thanks. So I've been in tech for about 20 years, which honestly, like it sounds crazy when I say that. I still feel like I'm learning so much every day and it still feels really new often. But I spent 12 of those years marketing and then went back to school to do a master's in design. But it's not like a graphic design program. It's more like a master's in design thinking. So really thinking about like how to make innovation a repeatable process. And then from there, I went into product management, mostly leading product design teams at like software companies. And I've worked in like a, a mix of, you know, consumer products and for business and in a bunch of different industries like fintech, health tech, gaming, and now media and entertainment at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, where we're using a lot of technology to improve the fan experience for our sports fan and also our concert fans. That's a really great uh, kind of just one thing I think on that is just as we think about like kind of your your kind of current experience at like MLSE, like it's probably not something people don't probably think about like digital innovation around, you know, sports teams and, and like in that entertainment space would love to like just hear kind of what is MLSE trying to do and like what's the what, what's the end goal and like wh- like what are some of the things you guys have been working on? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that, like. If you think about it, the fan experience really hasn't changed all that much. Like you buy a ticket, you print off your ticket, you show someone that ticket, and then you stand in line to go get food, and you stand in line to buy a T-shirt, and then you enjoy the game. And you know everything is very much the same in events. So we've been really busy at MLSC with this mandate of using technology to improve that fan experience because digital is really becoming like more and more a part of experience. So we start to change like what it's like to come to a game and even for those who don't come to our games. So for those who do come to our games, we've introduced mobile tickets, which has really helped to reduce fraud because, you know, when you buy a paper ticket either from someone or, you know, that paper ticket could have been printed multiple times. We've also introduced things like wait times in the app. So now you can see how long is that through line which ticket you know entry is is the shortest or like which bar is has the shortest line and one of my favorites is actually in seat ordering you can order food right to your seat so you don't have to miss that like goal or that like that point 
And one of my favorites as a music lover is you can now pre-order and pick up your concert merch because we all know that that concert tee is something that you can only get at the concert. So sometimes those lines can wrap around the arena. I think the Travis Scott concert, it was like a two and a half hour wait, which is insane. So, you know, some of these problems were just like no brainers for us. And then for those who aren't actually able to come to the game or who aren't in the stadium, we also wanted to make it easier for fans to feel closer to the game and and to the players and to the teams. And so we've launched a bunch of like really fun augmented reality things. Like we created a a virtual Larry O'Brien NBA trophy in our apps so you can put it on your shelf or put the entire Leafs roster in your living room and take a picture with them. We also did like a partnership with Uber last year where we wanted to really bring surprise and delight to our fans. And so some people who had ordered Uber Eats that night would get like a Raptors jersey in their like in their order. And we've also been creating a lot of fun mini video games in our apps. Just on that, like it, those sound like just like a, amazing like initiatives. Like how do you even like, which ones do you pick with? Like it seems <laughs> like as you, you're in this like, this like industry that you know, is maybe a little bit archaic, hasn't been digitized. Like, it just seems like you probably have so many problems. Like, where do you even start with first? I mean, I could say that we look at, like, finding some of our problems. I think we're very fortunate. Our fans come to our stadium, you know, more than 82 times a year. So we get loads of these opportunities to observe, like, where the friction points are. So we've done really simple things, like just walk around and watch, like, The lineups in the arena were really no-brainers. You don't need to do customer interviews to know that that's an issue. But we use a bunch of different ways of finding these problems. We do customer interviews. We also talk to our business stakeholders a lot in our frontline staff just because they're like right there every game. They see it for themselves and they know what comes up the most often. And, you know, ultimately we are an experienced company. And so our business is naturally very in tune with the fan experience and just constantly trying to fit all the time. But we've also started to use a lot of the data that we've just collected over the years to inform like where we should focus our efforts and where to dig in more. Because the reality is like data is only going to tell you that something is happening, but it doesn't really tell you why it's happening. So we still rely on the other methods like customer interviews and observations to really understand like what the problem is so that you know we can go fix it. So, Pansy, one of the things that we often do, of course, is we talk to startups and smaller companies or organizations that are trying to scale and growth and running experiments and building product is a fundamental part of it. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. the limiting resources, time or people or cash, which is probably the most common one, with an organization like MLSC being as large as it is and you having as many exciting problems as you do have, how do you select the things that you want to work on? And then, more importantly, what are the limiting resources? for you when you're actually implementing solutions and ideas that you come up with? Yeah, I mean, even though we are a relatively large company, I would say that like resources are always going to be a challenge no matter where you go at, at any company, and, and we are not immune to that either. We have a pretty small team on the consumer. We've got uh, you know five product managers, um, like five or six designers, and then a pretty small in-house dev team. But I mean, I think the way that we often look at like what problems to solve first is we always rank our problems 
first by if you know if we solve this problem is it going to drive high customer value because that's number one for us at the end of the day like you know we are a fan experience company and if we don't deliver on the fan experience then what are we in business to do so our very first question is ranking you know all the problems that we could be solving by the customer value or the fan value that we're going to drive by solving that problem but obviously you know MLSC is also a business, and so we have to also think about business value. And so we put it on a bit of a two by so high customer value, high business value. That for us is like a no brainer. Like we always start there. And then when we start thinking about like how might we actually solve some of those problems, then we start looking at like, okay, there's the Shangri La version of the solution, and then there's like the scrappier version of that solution. You know, we start looking at like effort in order to uh, prioritize like you know how we're actually going to go about solving that problem one question when you're talking about MLSC is like an experience company and you're trying to improve the yeah. customer experience when you're like implementing solutions like as an example you use like improving like the weight like the having transparency around like wait times like what does the like, success look like right is it just like hey we think this is a pain point so we're going to try to implement there like is it trying to like improve like a net promoter score like NPS of like that, that app they're using like I, I'd love to understand like what does success look like at the end of the day when you're implementing some of these solutions to fix some of these problems. So we've definitely done a lot of customer journey mapping to really understand like what is that end-to-end customer experience when someone comes to our arena. I think we're still trying to piece together what is that what that out of arena experience is based on some of the data and, and customer issues that we've done. But we definitely have a lot more information on what the customer experience is inside the arena. And in terms of like how do we measure whether or not it's succeeding or not. We do have some like secret shopper type like research that is done in the arena to help understand like how that experience is for a fan. But it's different in the way that like software can measure an NPS because you can put that like NPS survey right at the end of your experience and people see it. But in physical experiences, you kind of have to either try and reach them through email later, which the feedback loop is not as like quick. So we're, we are working on ways to try and find a way to survey our fans in a way while they're still in the arena through some of our apps. That's actually something we're working on right now. Another way of like us seeing if there's actually an improvement in our experience is, you know, are our fans coming back to another game? That's like probably the easiest way to find out if people are in work. One thing that makes me really curious is because, uh, you know, customer centricity is important for a lot of organizations. And it's really great that you've been a part of many that, you know, have customers at the center of their business decisions. But MLSC, and if you look at the brands it owns, like the Toronto Raptors or the Leafs or anything like that, they're not just customers, like they're fans. They're on the streets. I mean, we're lucky enough when the championship last year and tens of thousands of people just going crazy, you know, on the streets and in the arenas and they're fans. It feels like there's almost a leap that's been taken from just being a regular paying customer for, you know, a software product to being raving fans. How does that change your perception of customer centricity given, you know, your 20 years of experience in the tech industry when you know that there's that kind of emotion involved with that brand and it's just a totally different customer experience, I would imagine? I actually don't think it changes very much because... Ultimately, my role at MLSC is to help improve the fan experience. I think a lot of that emotional experience that people have with the teams are 
actually created by the teams themselves and, and the brand around the teams. ML Digital Labs is to help enhance that experience and, and make it more frictionless and help people feel more emotionally connected to the teams. So we actually redesigned the Leafs app recently to bring some of the content that we create closer to the fans and, and making it easier to consume. We actually uh, launched OTT channel, which is um, like you can now stream a lot of the Leafs Nation content that we create. Um, and the episodes that we create, you know, on your computer and on your TV. Whereas before, like the previously, the, the fan experience was really like a TV experience, like the cable TV experience. And now we're helping with bringing some of that content to an audience that is streaming content and creating that emotional connection through some of the content that we create. So we've redesigned a lot of the, the digital experiences to help bring those experiences to life. And in general, like just like call it the the entertainment, sports entertainment industry with a lot of these. Do you think the industry is changing or do you think like MLSC is just like at the forefront of like leading that change? I am actually quite excited to say that MLSC in general is leading a lot of the change that's in sports and entertainment right now. Like we get a, we're on calls a lot with other teams like in the NBA and NHL and we share a lot of best practices. And since starting Digital Labs, like I'm really happy to say that like a lot of the other teams have been calling us and asking us, well, how did you launch in-seat ordering or how did you do wait times? And so there's definitely a lot of sharing that's happening in this right now. And then just kind of shifting gears a little bit on that, just talking specifically about MLC. And obviously, you know, you were mentioning like kind of the launch of like the digital lab there. Like what's it been like working for a company that obviously was in like non-tech, but is trying to move into this digital innovation, customer centric approach? Like, what do you think now, like looking back now, like are the keys for success or like the challenges that organizations face that want to like make that shift into digital innovation, but don't know how to like, don't know how to get there, right? Transformation is a hard business to be in, but we're very fortunate with the business partners that like the stakeholders that we work with inside of our organization. They were so bought into wanting to improve the fan experience and but not only just for the fan experience, I think they also saw that it was going to help their business. And sorry, when I say business stakeholders, I mean like the food and beverage team, the the retail team, the marketing and brand team. So yeah, like working with the F&B team and the retail team and marketing team, and even our ticketing and memberships teams to improve that fan experience, they saw that it was also going to benefit their business lines. So it actually didn't take a lot, but it did require a lot of like workshops to like paint that fan experience so that they could understand like how we could actually help with some of the pieces of their business. What do you think organizations you do, and it could be MLC as an example, shifting their focus to be like more like customer centric? Like, how do you think organizations need to like how do you, how do they get there? Right? It's like, hey, I want to be customer focused, but like it's not something you say. But like, what do you actually have to do to actually start to create a culture around that? I feel like a broken work record when I say you know talk to your customers. It feels like such a no brainer, but I still think that a lot of companies don't do it enough. A lot of teams kind of sit in their offices and talk to each other about what they think the customer needs instead of talking to their customers. Again, I think 
we're very fortunate because our streamers come to our arena and so we get to see it. And we have a lot of people who work with our fans, you know, face to face. And so they get to hear how our customers are feeling like right there when they're interacting with our fans or with our um, season ticket holders. So I think observation is, is such an incredible tool that isn't used enough. And I know that it may seem like we have it relatively easy because, again, like our fans come to us and we have this space where we like trap them for three hours and observe them while they watch a game or a concert. But I've also used this when I worked in healthcare, where, you know, we would literally sit in the corner of their like a healthcare professional's office and like watch them work for eight hours. And, you know, we did it in fintech at Intuit, you know, where it happens on this like math scale where every employee, including CEO, goes out to observe how people do their taxes or accounting. And I think there's not enough companies understand the value of like observing their customers and just like really understanding like how their product or service fits into the lives of their like fan or customer. If you were to, you know, project where we're at just started 2020 now, you know, for the next 10 years, imagine as 2030, it's so far away. Where do you think the customer fan experience is going to be? I mean, digital transformation seems like a central and most, I guess, easy to default to topic because it creates exponential changes oftentimes in processes and products and experiences. But is digital transformation going to be what you feel the greatest difference maker over the next 10 years? And where do you feel the fan experience might uh, end up landing in over the next decade? I think we're definitely going to see way more personalization. And I know personalization has really, like, we've seen it the most in digital experiences, like your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed, it's like, or your news feed, like all of it's so personalized to you now. And it's only a matter of time before that experience becomes a physical experience, that personalized experience becomes a physical experience. And with the data that we're collecting, you know, through our phones and through like even physical spaces, collecting data through physical spaces, I think we're going to start seeing physical spaces become more personalized. Are you seeing a trend in your fans and customers where there are more people engaging in the physical experience or with more and more digital channels on mobile and all kinds of other ways to engage with those brands and those teams coming to the forefront, do you think there's going to be more engagement in virtual spaces or is that physical dimension going to continue to grow? I definitely think there's going to be the most growth in our digital channels. The physical experiences only can only scale so much. You know, we fit about a thousand people in our, our arena and either you put on more events or I don't know, you find more ways to squeeze people into that building. So I think the the where we're definitely going to see the most growth is in our digital experiences. And with more and more, I guess, media and content moving to streaming and like I definitely see that space needing to open up in order to expand the audience size and, and reach of, of sports and entertainment. Are there any examples of like technology or product ideas your team is kind of experimenting or playing around with on the topic of personalizing the fan experience? Yeah, we're definitely working on making the app more personalized, just like understanding what content that you um, enjoy watching about the teams and making sure that you don't miss those types of content when you're looking for, you know, to engage with the teams and, and the players We're also looking ways to personalize the member experience. 
our season ticket holders are, are obviously one of the our most aged customer segments. And so we're always looking at ways to improve their experience, whether it's through a member portal or offering them promotions or offers on the retail products or the experiences that they're most interested in. And just making sure that people are getting the information that they want about their team and their players care about without having to like constantly monitor it all the time or not having to like search for the types of videos that they like and making it easier and surfacing it up for them. Some of the last few questions that, that we had here and just kind of like pivoting completely away from like just MLSE and the fan experience and like talking specifically about some of the, your experiences and, you know, some of the great volunteer experiences that you've done. You know, I know that you definitely have like a passion point and uh, have spoke at like different events and conferences specifically around like just like women in tech and around like inclusiveness and like creating that environment. I think it would just be really great to like maybe highlight a little bit of that and what do you think tech, how tech needs to change in order to create like that inclusive environment based on some of the experiences that you've seen because I know you have a specific perspective on that. I definitely do speak about women in tech and and specifically more around like male allies and like how they can help in creating some of these more inclusive cultures. I think in general, there's a lot of challenges that women face in in tech that that maybe people aren't really aware of, like women self-select out because of of how job postings are written. They'll under-negotiate a lot on their salaries. I, I had one candidate who asked for 20 or 30,000 less than what men who were less qualified were asking me for. And I think the transgender community is also really shedding a lot of light into this area. There's a story about a Stanford prof who transitioned to male and recounted a story where he gave a presentation at a conference and a scientist came up to him afterwards to say, you know, he loved the presentation, but that he always knew that his work was always better than his sister's, not realizing it was the same person. So there's like all of these stories that people just aren't aware of. And so one is um, finding ways to become more aware of some of the the bias or the um, the challenges that people face in tech, and then start thinking about like how you can build more inclusive cultures. So some of the tools that I, or tips and tools that I've been sharing is um, one way to create job postings that are more inclusive. There's a tool called texto.com, T-X-T-I-O. Uh, it's a tool that helps with analyzing the language and job postings. So like words like guru and ninja tend to discourage women from applying. And simple things like resume in, uh, reviews where the names and pictures are removed and interviewing with a rubric. So you have a predetermined criteria and have a mix of people interviewing that person. And also things like inclusive socials, like not everyone loves to drink and party. So, you know, including other types of socials like board games or cycling or photography is another way of like creating that social network without excluding certain groups. Are there any other franchises or just parent organizations like MLSD that you feel have gotten it right and you're always kind of, they're always kind of a source of inspiration for the rest of the, their respective leagues or, you know, similar organizations? Like sports related or not sports related? Yeah, largely sports related. I hope we're at the forefront in Toronto. Yeah, well, I I think we are. And in a lot of cases, we're the forefront in a lot of uh, other sports industries as well. But I think uh, there are a lot of sports organizations that are doing some really interesting things. Like I saw, I can't remember which stadium it was, but it was a stadium 
in the States, it was a baseball stadium where actually using clear, you know, that it's kind of like Nexus, but it's, it's like a, yeah, yeah. 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 So they're using clear as a way to like get like people who have clear access can use this like access line to get into the stadium. How about augmented reality? Is that ever a conversation or something that that's considered in your organization? Yeah, I, we use it a lot. And it's funny because like some of these technologies, they don't really, not that they don't have useful purposes, but the nice thing about entertainment is it doesn't always have to have utility. Like it can just be for fun. And with augmented reality, that's something that we used. Like we created the Larry O'Brien trophy in an AR format. And so like you can put it on your table, you can pretend to put it in your hand. And we've just been able to experiment with a lot of technology that are more frivolous, I guess, right, right now. Yeah. yeah. That's great. That's definitely really fun. Because, like, what would you use virtuality for in, like, finances? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, I just, uh, vision that, like, you know, you're sitting in the, in, in the stadium and you have, like, an augmented reality headset and you see a raptor taking a shot and you can trace the shot before it even leaves their hand and you know that, you know, there's this percent chance <laughs> and like you can have all kinds of other kids can have like little monsters running across the floor and like who knows you know stuff like that yeah but i love that i that just the the purity of it that like hey it could it just has to be for fun like that's also success that's really unique and because like that is the problem that we're trying to solve right is entertainment so that's a really great summary of so many different like tools that are out there that I think people just don't even realize. So I appreciate you kind mm-hmm. of uh, shedding light on like that perspective there. So then I think just to kind of wrap things up here, you know, if the people are listening uh, to this podcast, how would someone go about trying to find you if they wanted to have uh, more of a conversation on anything that you might have talked about? Yeah, I'm always available on LinkedIn. If you search for Pansy Lee, there aren't that many of us out there. So you can probably find me on LinkedIn. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, just thanks again so, so much for taking the time to join us on the Growth Equation today. And uh, hope you have a great rest of the day. Great, thanks.